Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Now, this week, I was thinking about a servant, was trying to figure out what a servant was. I've been thinking about it all week. In fact, honestly, I've been thinking about it my whole life. And if you were to say, Aaron, what's a servant? Give it to me in a sentence. I couldn't answer it. But as I sat there this week and as I've sat there over my life, I I just kind of let my mind wander this week in particular. And was thinking about all the servants I've known throughout my life. And I realized they were all pretty different. You have, and I got a list of them here. You got Calvin Nicholson, Doug House, Jim Bromagem, Dale Zuha, Mike Hall, Byron Henry, Rudy Zagalo, Ken Mishler, Mary Lou Kinnaman, Ray Becker, Judy Price, Tammy House, Lenny Spooner, Harold Shield, Bruce Carden. The list goes on. Those people are all servants, and we could make a list of servants in this room, but how do you describe it? I mean, I can tell you everything they did. I can tell you what they did, how many times they did it, what they did every week. But you know what I discovered as I read this list, as I made this list? It's difficult to say what exactly a servant is and what a servant does. You know one when you see it. It's, you can't argue with it. If, I, if you were to meet each one of those people and seen what I saw, you'd go, oh yeah, that, that, they're a servant. But to try to tell someone what to do, well, you go do stuff for people. Oh, well, I do that. I get paid for it every day of my life. It's called my job. Well, that's not necessarily a servant. What is a servant? I can tell you Al and Ina Potts are servants. They're now living in Nebraska, but they were up in Marysville, Washington when I was up there. They were the janitors. They got paid for three hours a day. Both of them combined together, got paid for three hours a day, and they were there 10 hours a day, six days a week. And on Sunday, if they forgot to do something, they would be the first to come and apologize with red face and say, oh, we missed it. Really? 60 hours a week? I can tell you Doug House is a servant, the man who took the phone call at one in the morning when my father passed away and not only talked me through it, but prayed with me and said, you want me to come over now? I can tell you what they do. The man that I can't even remember his name, who every Saturday night at Hillsborough Church of the Nazarene showed up to sharpen the pencils to go in the back of the pew. What is a servant? Someone who just does stuff? Well, maybe someone who walks by and when a lady drops her groceries at the store, picks them up? Sure. See, none of the people I've listed off, most of them you don't even know. They're not famous in this world. They're not famous people. If I walked out of this room and I told people on the street here, they'd go, who in the world's that? But when I think of a servant and you want a face to pop in my mind, every one of their faces pop in my mind. There's a lot of people whose face pop in my mind that I go, "Mm, no, not even close. Is that judgmental? Probably. (laughs) Father, forgive me. But here's the deal. 
Why? Why do we not know what a servant is, but we know it when we see it? Why is it that it comes down and we, we want to describe it to somebody and we can't? Well, let me tell you. As I was thinking through this this week, as I thought of all those people, there were a few conclusions that, that I came across that I want to share with you. The first one is this. Being a servant is an attitude, not an action. So many of us think, tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Tell me how this is done and I'll do it. I just am waiting for somebody to tell me how I can serve and I'll get in there and I'll do it. Whether it be in the church or outside the church. Tell me what you want and I'll come help you. You know, it's interesting when my um, father passed away, my mom, one of the biggest frustrations she had was things being done around the house that needed to be done, and I lived too far away and couldn't do it. And I would, she'd call me and she'd go, when are you coming back? I said, Mom, call Jim, call David, call Ray, and give her all these people to call who said, well, come over at a moment's notice. And she'd go, I'm not going to call and bother anybody. Okay, meanwhile, your toilet's leaking all over the floor. Call them! You know, it, it became difficult for her to reach out. She didn't want to bother people. But at the same token, there are people who are waiting and wanting it. Being a servant, it's an attitude. It's not an action. Being a servant is something that you are looking to become. These people Going back to my mom, these people who were saying, call me, I'm there. They had the attitude. They wanted to do it. No questions asked. Give me a call, I'm there. Being a servant is an attitude. It's not an action. Because you know what? I can come mow your lawn. And as you walk out the door and say thank you, I can go, no problem. When you walk back in, I'm going, it's not serving. It's doing something out of obligation. And it's hurting yourself in the process. Being a servant is an attitude. It's not an action. Romans 15.1, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We're not doing it because of ourselves. We're doing it because we love others. We're doing it because Scripture commands us to do it, not to please ourselves, but to help them. Next, servants come in all sizes, all shapes, and all colors. These people are some of the most ordinary people in the world. Manford George said this, the servant of God may be an, a very ordinary person with a very ordinary manner of life. In other words, you do not have to be born with the serving talent in order to serve. You do not have to have that special gift that you see some people have that it just oozes out of them. I'm excited. I can't wait. Let's go do it. Anybody can be a servant. Anybody can take on the action of being a servant. You don't have to have the special gift. Did you hear that? You don't have to have the special gifts. 
There's a bunch of lists out in the foyer that I'm going to get to in a little bit. There's one on there in particular. Um, I think I've already been asked, please do not sign up for the painting of the lady's toenails. It's not my gift. Praise the Lord. You don't have to have the special gift. It's already been given to you. But what you do need to have, what you do need to understand, is that being a servant, it's a heart issue. Anybody can be a servant if you have a servant's heart. What is it that makes a difference between being a servant and not being a servant? Is it visiting the nursing home? Is it showing up for service Sunday? Is it going to Seattle? Is it going um, to Guatemala? Is it coming and working at the church on the work days? What's the difference between being a servant and a worker? It's your heart. It's where it comes down to, do I want to serve these people completely fully expecting to get something in return? Or is my heart in the spot that what I'm doing is I'm wanting people to understand and to see that Jesus served and I love him. Therefore, I love them. I have said this over and over again, and this isn't in my notes, but some people may disagree with me. Some may not. If you do, I'm sorry. But I think it's pretty evident that I or you are not going to like every single person on this earth. But I find it humorous that scripture never uses the word like. It says love. Therefore, serving out of love means everyone. Whether you like them or not, you agree with them or not, serving means everyone. It's a heart issue, Romans 12, 7. If your gift of service if your gift is service, then let him serve. If, and Galatians 5.13, you therefore have been set free, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another in love. Bottom line, some people will find it easier to be a servant than other people. Once it's become a heart issue, you need to understand, some people will find it easier to be a servant than other. Simply put, It may be a struggle for you to say, I am going to go serve them. I want to. It's in my heart. But man, that's difficult. I'm not quite so sure I can do that. I don't know what to do. It might be a struggle. It might be something you work at. It might be something that that you really have to try and put one foot in front of the other to go do. Your heart's saying yes. You're all in it. But man, that's hard. Because there's times people just don't deserve it. Aaron, did you just say that? I think we all think it sometimes. But I think you just watched a video a few minutes ago that said, and I quote Galatians 5.13, You therefore have been set free, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to indulge the flesh but rather serve one another in love. So whether you find it easy or not, 
from what I just read, really doesn't matter. We were commanded to use our freedom to serve. Use our freedom to show each other who Christ is. Use our freedom to be the one that can actually make a difference in somebody's life by serving them. The last conclusion I came to on this, Jesus Christ is the ultimate or model servant for the people of God. There are verses that you need to tattoo, and yes, I said tattoo, on your forehead. Do it backwards so every time you look in the mirror, you see Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The second, Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was Jesus, and why did he come? Jesus was the Son of God, who came to what? What? Thank you. He came to serve. He came to this earth to show us what love really was. Now, you can look anywhere through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you can see many times where Jesus served. You can look almost anywhere, and you can see where Jesus served. I am going to look specifically today at John chapter 13, and we're going to go through it, and it's a passage that you've all heard, but we're going to look at John chapter 13. Really, we're just going to look at verses 1 through part of 12. But if you have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen, whatever you'd like to do. But you need to understand that this was just one of the times that Jesus served. There were many times. But you need to see and understand the vulnerability that's going on here. John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the place. It's Thursday night in the upper room. All the disciples are there. Matthew, John, Luke, Thaddeus. 
Judas, Peter, Simon the Zealot. They're all chattering in a nervous tone. It's quiet. Jesus is there, sitting at the table. They're eating. And they can tell that he's tense. All the disciples can see that something's wrong. He's talking to them, but they can just feel it. Something's not right. Pretty soon Jesus stands up, pushes away from the table, grabs the towel of a servant, he wraps it around him, takes off his robe. So he's standing there, looking just like a servant. Nothing on but the towel. Takes the basin of water, and he walks over, kneels down, And as he's getting ready, room dead quiet. He's looking at the feet. He's going to wash them. I can imagine him standing there sweating. Getting ready to do this thing. Before I go on, you need to understand something. There's a couple things. Number one, washing feet was something that happened all the time, every day, every house you went to in those times. No different than you coming to my house, I open the door after you knock, and I shake your hand. You walked inside, the servant took off your sandals and washed your feet. The more servants you had, the more money you had. You, the homeowner, did nothing. If you were a person who washed somebody else's feet, you were the lowest of the low. There is no way Jesus should be washing anybody's feet. Hence Peter, which we'll get to him in a second. The disciples were not only scared, but couldn't figure out why in the world Jesus was trying to wash their feet. They were not only scared, but they were flat out offended. And I can hear him saying, you're going to do what? You want to wash my feet? You're not my servant. We've been following you. The other thing you need to understand, and this is pretty self-explanatory, foot washing today is a dirty, ugly, smelly job. Not to mention when all you wear is sandals and it's 80, 90, 100 degrees, and the concrete and asphalt do not exist, and everywhere you go, you're walking in dust. And if you're anything like me, your feet sweat. 
which makes all of that dust turn to dirt. Jesus is sitting there getting ready to wipe off these feet. But you got to understand that this was the worst possible thing he could do. Washing someone's feet, people and our feet, sorry, I need to backtrack a second. When we talk about washing each other's feet, it's not as if we today just sit down and say, go for it. There's a reason we wear shoes. And I don't think it's just to keep our feet warm. Our feet are one of, if not the dirtiest part of our bodies. I've been a youth pastor for many, many years. I have tried to wash feet for many, many years. And every single time I do, there's a chunk of students who say, "Mm, I'm fine. And there's adults that say, I'm okay. Washing each other's feet, and really, in all honesty, there's some churches, the, the Free Will Baptists, they look at it as the same as taking communion. They practice it. They do it. In fact, this one church, Free Will Baptist Church, they had washing of each other's feet every Thursday night. They did it just like communion, just like baptism. It was that important to them, and they practiced it. But do you know what happened? People would get off work. They would go home, eat dinner, get ready to go, sit down and wash their feet, and go out the door. Because we don't want anybody seeing how smelly my feet are. You guys all know I used to be a roofer. I would love to get off a roof and take off my shoes and have you. Really? Yeah, now you're starting to understand. If you take it, if you look at it, what do feet represent? In this passage, in what we're looking at, in washing each other's feet, where we say, no, that's one of the dirtiest, if not the dirtiest parts of my body. Please don't touch it, Jesus. Back away. You're, you're not a servant. You're me. What, what are we really saying? Hey, take all but whatever's down there. It's hard to give everything up. It's hard to ask for help my mom needing help. It's hard to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, I need you to fill in the blank. Why? Because it shows a sign of weakness. Why? Because we're saying we need them. I need you to come to my house and serve me. That's hard. Because we look at it and we say, I've got all this stuff in my life and I can't do it. Jesus says, give me your feet. It's interesting how these guys kept looking at Jesus. But with that, Jesus takes the pitcher, takes the basin, takes off the sandals. He looks at the feet. He notices the dirt between the toes. 
He notices the ingrown toenail. He doesn't have one, but... He notices the hair on top. And I can only imagine the human side thinking, do I really want to do this? Puts water on him. Picks him up. Wipes off the dirt. Massages him. Cleans him. The best he can. And the amazing part is they were all sitting there watching as Jesus humbled himself, grabbed the dirtiest part of the body, became a servant and cleaned him. But then he came to Peter and Peter says, no, you're not washing my feet. And the human side of me says, Jesus wanted to stand up and go, really? Can you ever keep your mouth shut, Peter? Why? Because he said that to me. I am a Peter. I've said that before and I admit it. Jesus wanted to look at him, in my opinion, the human side of Jesus wanted to look at him and go, stop talking and let me serve you. Do you not get it? But he didn't. He calmly and gently talked Peter through it. And when he got done in this dead, quiet room, he had washed the feet of every one of the disciples. And he sat there full well knowing that very shortly Judas was going to betray him with a kiss. He was going to be arrested. A couple hours after that, he was going to go in front of Caiaphas, Pilate, Well, well, knowing that a crowd was going to say, give us Barabbas, take this man. He knew he was going to be flogged. He knew he was going to hang on a cross. And he knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. And what did he do? He washed Judas's and Peter's feet. And then he went and died for him. I can only imagine how tense it was in that place. What I really want to know is how many of the disciples sat there and before the end of the washing of the feet went, I get it. Is this really going to happen? But you know what's harder for me to understand? It's why there's times that we struggle serving. Why there's times we struggle 
seeing the bigger picture. Next Sunday, we have an opportunity, guys. I have had the privilege and the honor putting together all those job sites out there. Do you know what I hear when I make phone calls? First question. I explain who I am. I tell them what we're doing on service Sunday. I say, my name's Aaron Middleton. We are, I'm one of the pastors, the youth pastor down at Lewiston First Nass. And on September 28th, we are not going to go to church that Sunday morning. We're going to be the church, and we're going we're to have job sites all around the LC Valley, and we're going to be serving people. First words. Oh, that sounds cool. Do you have anything that we could do for you? You know what the next words are? How much is this going to cost? Dead honest. Nothing. I kind of chuckle. Nothing. We, we want to serve. We just want to come help out. If you have a big project that needs a lot of stuff, then we might need you to buy your own supplies. We can talk about that later. But we're just here. What do you need us to do? You'll do anything? cleaning bathrooms, doing yard work, whatever. You tell me, what do you need? This is unbelievable. I can't believe it. Yes, we can use your help. One of the job site leaders called one of the gals this week. Do you know what she said? I can't believe that you guys are doing this for free. That's amazing. That's the world we live in, guys. Service doesn't happen. We all serve each other getting outside. And I'm talking the church in general. I'm not talking our church. We have movers and shakers. We have things that happen. Church in general, people in the world do not understand what service is. They think there's always have to be something paid in order to get it done. But when I look back at this servant... Not only did he start out by serving, he ended by dying on the cross within the same 24 hours. And then he came back. The next thing I hear inside these conversations are the people are, you're doing it during your church service? Yeah. And this leads me to what I think one of the hardest things for us as Christians and as as people who go to church all the time and as people who strive to be like Christ, this is one of the hardest things for us. And I don't mean that we don't understand it. I mean, there's something inside us that goes, that's a little weird. I don't know if I can do that. Here it is. The church in America spends a whole lot of time saying, let me introduce you to Jesus. Come to church with me on Sunday and I'll show you. Maybe it's time that instead of trying to get people to come to my church, my church goes to them. During the time that everybody in the universe knows we're in church. Because when it comes down to serving the way Jesus did, sometimes it's okay to be uncomfortable. Sometimes the message gets out louder and stronger when we put aside what we do every week and we do the same thing in a different way. 
and we go serve so that everybody knows these people really want to be like Christ. Not to mention, there's a lot of people who you've invited to church who went, eh, I'm going to stay back a minute. But you say, hey, I got a yard that really needs some help. Can you come help me next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock? We're meeting at our church, and then we're going out. They're in on that. I got some wheelchair ramps that need to be painted. We're going to go pick up garbage on the Asotan beaches. Can you come help me? Man, they're in on that. They understand. Let me go help people. They may not quite understand that they're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. But that's what they're doing. Serving the way Jesus served. Because I need you to understand And I think it's the most difficult thing to understand. We will never run out of feet to wash. I think Jesus washed the 12 disciples' feet. And then he went and served everyone else, including them, when he died on the cross. Man, I want that heart. I want that attitude. I want that action. I think we need to understand next week when we go out. It's difficult for some of these people to say, come serve me. Some of them are in a situation where it's all they can do. But if you could see the smile on the faces when I get the privilege of asking them, man, they can't wait. They're so excited. Somebody wants to help me? I asked a gal the other day, and I won't tell you who it was just because I don't want to embarrass her, but I said, is there anything we can do around the house? No, my son-in-law's got it. We're okay. Are you sure? And kept poking and kept prodding, and by the end of it, she was fighting back tears. There is this. You can do this. Are you sure you can do that for me? Because you don't need... We're all in. We'll be here that morning. Understand that what we're doing next Sunday is a whole lot more than raking leaves and mowing lawns and painting wheelchair ramps and picking up garbage. What we're doing next week is changing lives in the name of Jesus Christ. They may feel a little weird if we uh, say, hey, can you come outside and sit down and we'll take off your shoes and sock and dump water on your feet and wash them. But they sure do understand, hey, what's different about these people? Why are there 15 people in my front and backyard that I don't even know? What are they doing? What do they have that I don't have? And we don't even have to walk up and say, we're here in the name of Jesus Christ. They know. They can see it. We will never run out of feet to wash. Right outside those doors, underneath the coat rack, there is a table with 190 spots to be filled for next Sunday morning. 
from filling crisis care kits here at the church if you cannot get out and do anything physically to working in yards to planting flowers to, like I said earlier, going up to the uh, nursing home up here and painting ladies' toenails and fingernails. We got it. Don't forget to sign up before you leave. We're going to be going meeting here at 9 a.m. next Sunday morning. We will be done at noon. We'll be coming back here for a barbecue made by Rich. He will have his socks and shoes on at the time. <laughs> his ingrown toenail will not be there. <laughs> it will be in my burger. <laughs> Why, thank you. I will wash my hands by then as well. Understand. Understand. Burger and all, we are going to serve and we are going to enjoy ourselves and we are going to change lives. If for no other reason, they can tell everybody in their family and all their friends, these people I don't even know came and worked at my house. I'll probably never see them again, but man, that was a great day. And the Holy Spirit can do the rest. Don't miss out. Grab on and go for the ride. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to look into your eyes. And to see what serving really is. I thank you for the opportunity to grab onto you in your arms and let you mold my heart, my attitude, and my life. Help me, Father, so I can see it and keep moving in your direction and help others to see it in me and in us. Father, we love you today. In thy name we pray, amen. I need to say one more thing about signing up. One of the reasons there are so many, there's 15 and 20 spots on those forms is because there is nursery up through the age of three. And we did that intentionally. We want to be serving as families. We want to be teaching our kids how to serve. So yes, the yards probably do not need 15 people. But if four of them are five-year-olds, what a great time teaching them how to serve Mm -hmm. as a family. Understand that and let's go do this together. Yeah, good. So here's what we need. We need you to do three things. We need you to sign up. We need you to show up. We need you to pray up. So uh, as Pastor Aaron is finalizing uh, preparation of job sites and organizing people and so forth, it really would help if uh, those of you who are here today could sign up for a job today. If for some reason that can't happen, we'll have the sign-up sheets out there again next Sunday morning, and we're going to gather here next, month, next Sunday before we take off. But first of all, sign up, okay? And as Pastor Aaron mentioned, you have friends who are never going to say, hey, man, I'd sure love to go to church with you. But this idea of serving other people, they're in. And I think there is no better introduction to the love of God than to see God's people doing the love out there, right? So if you've got some friends that you think, eh, maybe about religion, but they could understand love, why don't you invite them to serve with you? And um, just go ahead and sign them up today, right? And then you can use all the leverage that it takes next week to get them in there. Okay, sign up.
Um, second thing is show up. Next Sunday morning, we want to make sure that everybody meets here together. And we need to do this, um, we need to be pretty prompt because we've got uh, a little bit of distance to travel to some of the jobs and, and so forth. So you need to be here by 9 o'clock. And you need to be dressed in uh, the kind of clothes that it takes to work and rake leaves. Um, depending on what you sign up for, bring your own tools because we're not going to drop ten grand in tools that then um, get left on job sites and go home with you. We expect you to lose your own tools. Right? So, now, just bring your stuff, mark it, use it, and uh, be responsible for taking it to the job site and getting it back home. But we need rakes, shovels, paintbrushes, all those things. Whatever it is that you sign up for, bring the stuff that you need to help make that happen. Um, but show up here at uh, 9 o'clock. We'll be out of here by 9.30 so that we can get to the job sites and work, work, work until about noon. And then we're hoping to show up back here, understanding you've got to tie things up and so forth. 12.15 to 12.30 is when we want you <laughs> back here at the church because Rich is going to have the food ready to go. And it's just going to be a real simple meal. But uh, while we're eating together, we're also just going to tell some of the stories of the great things that have happened. We're going to give God some praise like he deserves. We're going to give him thanks for using us. We're going to worship him through the giving of tithes and offerings. We're going to take a very, very brief look into his word. I won't preach even. I'm just, we're going to read God's word together and let that rest in our hearts, okay? So uh, we're not doing this next week instead of church. We're going to go during the church, uh, regular church hours, but then we're going to come back here. While we've been the church out there, we're going to be the church together here as well. Sign up, show up. Pray up. Listen, Aaron said it. We can change people's lives next week. And it it might be the lives of the people whose homes are uh, getting some sort of backyard renovation. Or it might be you. You know, it really could be you that God changes next week. The renovation really could be taking place in your heart. As God breaks down some of the barriers and some of the walls that you've built in the past. He could, he could break down some, some relationship barriers between you and other people in your church family as you work side by side and get past little things in the interest of a great big thing, the love of God shown believably to the community. Let's pray up about it. Let's ask the Lord to soften our hearts. Let's ask the Lord to prepare the hearts of the people to receive real love, not just labor but to receive real love, the believable message of the love of God next week. Sign up today if you can. Show up next Sunday no matter what. Pray between now and then, and God is going to do great things for us. Okay, Aaron, anything to add? I think we're good. Okay, then let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that we got to be here today. We give you thanks that you always meet us here. Um, continue to receive our praises as we leave here today. It's, uh, it's kind of with a, a song in our hearts. We're really grateful and have um, a high sense of expectation of what may come next Sunday. My heart's very full today. I thank you for that. And I look forward to the chance to try to empty it all out next week, to pour out our lives together. But Lord, in the way that you've designed this uh, this great universe, this funnel of yours, as we pour our lives out, you fill us up, and we never can... Uh, We never can outpour you. So you do that, would you? And we will pour out our lives in praise this week, in uh, love next week. Thanks for letting us be a part of your church and of this one. In your holy name we pray, amen.